Uh, well, yeah, thanks for coming on, Kyle. Uh, let's get started today. Uh, talk a little bit about the Senior Bowl, about part of why you go down there, why you bring a bunch of people with you, um, kind of some of how you got started with the, uh, with the whole draft process and NDT scouting. Sure. So originally, it was about four, four and a half years ago, uh, I had formed just a, a blog with the intent of kind of building a portfolio in hopes that it could lead to a career in you know, scouting players for the NFL. And as that process evolved, it kind of changed focus from I want to get hired by a team someday to uh, I get a lot of media opportunities and expanding those further and further and for further and fast forward to today. And we went down with a team of six guys, myself included, and we're there. Half of us will stay here through the game. The other half left this morning, uh, but just really had a great time kind of getting to know the players. And that's one of the true values of the senior bowl for us in the media is we don't have the opportunity to have the access to these players that NFL teams do and, and get to talk to them and kind of get perspective on their journeys and, and the kind of players that they are and what they think their strengths and weaknesses are and the backgrounds. So that's a really valuable piece of it as far as, you know, getting to know the players. Uh, but even outside of that, just this, this practice environment and, and being here amongst so many people, it's A, a great networking opportunity, and then B, uh, it's a piece of the football game that you never really get to see, which is all the preparations that are behind what you see on Sundays or Saturdays, mm -hmm. depending on the level of competition. So um, everything here is, is taken in context. You know, nobody's going to write a scouting report on a guy that you go for based off of what you see in three days of, of padded practice or anything like that. But it, it kind of gets you a baseline if you don't know a guy and it can be a chance to either confirm or cause you to go back and look again on guys that you feel like you do know. For sure, definitely. Hey, talk a little bit about what's it like to travel to Mobile, Alabama with all these pro NFL players, these NFL scouts, um, these, well, I should say future pro players. And what, what's kind of the experience for that? And why is this kind of like a, a mecca or a pilgrimage for a lot of fans of the NFL draft? Oh, yeah, man. This is, this is my third year now. And the first week that I was here two years ago in 2016 was kind of just a year awestruck when you first walk in and, and the first opportunity that you have to walk into the hotel where all the, the players stay and you, you just look around and it's the New York jets are sitting out there. Forget walking in the front door to go pick up my credential on a Monday. And it's like the jets are sitting there, their coaching staff sitting there talking to Spencer Drango went it over the Cleveland Browns and you know, you see, you see Carson Wentz walking around in the lobby and it's just, it was just really, really cool. Um, and each time you go, if you're working media, you know, you, there's always something different to take away. Uh, they do have it open to the fans as well. And, uh, the chance to, to come down and you get great access to talk to players and you get to meet NFL coaches and personnel and, it's really odd going out at night and uh, you know, there's a, there's a bar right across the street where it's kind of like the, the local watering hole where oh, it's, you go in and it's coaches standing around talking to each other, having a beer. It, it's a really odd dynamic that you don't see anywhere else. So that, that's the fun part of it. And, and getting to see the whole league kind of descend down on this tiny little town. It's, it's something else.
Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, that's been kind of an area where I, I looked as far as the senior bowl. Some of it I know can be just traveling and meeting other people with the the same interests, the same dynamics as far as for that. Um, even fans of other teams, it can be kind of a, a central place where, you know, there's not competition or teams going up against each other on um, Sunday. Uh, what's the biggest news, at least so far, that you're hearing from scouts in mobile? And then we can start getting to more of like some of the specific positions and players, especially some that interest the Arizona Cardinals with all of that. But what's kind of the biggest news that's coming out of mobile this week uh i i think if you're looking for predominant storylines it's it's the josh allen show and and where josh is going to go and uh, the perception of, of some media members versus other media members and it's it's kind of two sides of, of the coin and it's interesting to, to see play out because you know you, if you're here and you you work in this field you know to some degree what you're talking about and then you come away with this really strong opinion based on what you saw. And then you turn on NFL live the next day, or you go to ESPN.com and you're reading the exact opposite. So that's kind of been the talk of the week is every, anybody who's taken in these practices forming their opinion on Josh. I, I think Baker Mayfield's performance has been by and large consensus. He had a good week. Uh, Josh Allen, they're saying he's throwing the ball too hard for his guys and they're not used to catching a ball that's thrown so hard. And um, it, it, it's just been kind of a, a roller coaster as far as the opinions and the, the ups and downs and, and people trying to kind of find the root cause of that. that. That's really just been something everybody that I've talked to has talked about in some way, shape or form. And that's a really important thing for Cardinals fans. Let's talk a little bit about the quarterbacks because they have been the main spotlight and Arizona's picking 15th. A lot don't know if they're going to be able to trade up or even willing to trade up for a quarterback or if there's going to be one there. And the team currently doesn't have anyone on the roster. So you're not just looking at starting quarterback. You're also probably looking at a backup and even maybe taking a a flyer on a day three guy to have another guy on the roster. Uh, Share some of your insights on the big names and who are some sleepers at least with Arizona. Maybe we don't have to get into specifics about scheme fit or anything but who are some of the other names that Cardinals fans could watch out for potentially sure um I I think if you are looking for a a stronger armed passer uh, a late round option might be Tanner Lee from Nebraska Lee declared early Uh, he's a fifth year junior so he came out and, and showed baseline NFL traits as far as a passer the concern from him is uh his ball security is very poor okay so if you're looking for uh, a late option as far as somebody you can invest in and have as maybe a developmental guy or a guy that you're only relying for for depth, the name to watch tomorrow for the actual game. Uh, obviously, Josh Allen, uh, his strengths would fit pretty well as far as the Cardinals. Uh, for me personally, that's first round talk for him is too rich for me, but uh, to each their own. And if you really feel like you can optimize him and Uh, get the most out of him and I do think that style of passing offense is the key to doing so uh, then that conversation needs to be had because if you want him it 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 seems like your only chance is the first round Uh, there's been too much smoke for me to say even though I think it's misplaced uh, to think that there's no fire behind this as well and think that Allen is a kid that is probably going to go in the first round if you want his services. 
Yeah, that's great insight. And that's going to be interesting to see with Arizona, just because the team with a whole brand new coach, brand new offensive coordinator, uh, the strong arm passer, we're, we're not sure exactly what their offense is going to look like from Mike McCoy. It doesn't seem like they're going to be as intent on pushing the ball down the field as Bruce Arians. But again, it's a limited amount of uh, players available, limited amount of quarterbacks. Uh, it's always the most in-demand position, it seems. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if the team does go in that direction or tries to find a free agent. Let's talk a little bit about um, some of the, the wideouts because the Cardinals at least right now are kind of moving on from some of their other play, their other wide receivers. Some of them it's due to contract, some of them due to disappointment or injury. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald is most people think he's coming back. A lot of people are not sure, though, at least if he does retire, it's going to be a pretty big blow to the team's core. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the wide receivers there or other offensive players to watch. I know Isaiah Wynn and, uh, and Hernandez have also been lighting up a lot is kind of what I've heard. Yeah, the uh, the interior offensive line had some nice showings. Uh, as far as offensive tackle, there was a couple of impressive showings as well. So I'll just kind of tick through the names. Isaiah Wynn. Definitely, I thought I had the best week, and it just came out yesterday. He actually played with a shoulder labrum tear all week long and still just dominated everybody. He he works from the ground up, and that really helps him to stay in front of guys and, and keep defenders framed effectively in pass rushing one-on-ones, and, and he was very strong in that area as well as the team drills. Uh, Will Hernandez, I thought he showed better rotational flexibility than what I thought he had. He does not have the quickest feet, so a lot of times he stays square to the line of scrimmage when he moves laterally, which initially I had interpreted as just he's tight. But I don't think he's tight after watching him in some of the one-on-one reps because you can see he unlocks his hips pretty well as far as getting his feet snapped from one position into another position to mirror and reset against pass rush counters. That was really impressive for me. Uh, Offensive tackles, I thought Tyrell Crosby from Oregon had a good week. Uh, Alex Kappa, Humboldt State small school kid, came in and just embarrassed Marcus Davenport all week long. And Davenport came into this week as one of the hottest names. Uh, another name that for me, if you're talking top 15, top 20, that's too rich for me. I, I personally think his film, if you look at it and put it in context of the level of competition and the traits that he's showing, that's probably more of a day two player for me. Certainly has a, a great deal of upside. Uh, but as far as the skill players on offense, it was kind of a weak – Weak year for that. I was looking forward to seeing the tight end group, but the two players I was probably most excited to see were Dallas Goddard and Adam Brenneman, both of whom suffered hamstring injuries on their second route run on the first day of practice. So both of those guys had ice bags on their hamstrings within 30 minutes of practice starting, and they were done for the week. So that, that was kind of a buzzkill. Outside for receivers, uh, you had some exciting guys. Jamon Moore from Missouri as a, as a vertical guy. You know, if we're talking of the history of what Arizona has done in the past is pushing the ball down the field. That's somebody that I thought stood out in that regard. Uh, but by and large, this was not a, a, an overly impressive group of wide receivers through and through. Mm, that's good to at least be able to know. And that's going to be a, an interesting question of whether the seniors are going to be the ones who aren't as impressive. Um, yeah, I know James Washington had a lot of people who were disappointed with his um, measuring. He was a bit shorter and a little bit more built like a running back, but he still at least has seemed to look the, the best. Perhaps some of the underclassmen will be in the case there. I also know at least with wide receivers, um, I, I worked at least for an arena team for a while. And I know that the way that they had built the team and the wide receivers was 
kind of to favor their quarterback, even though you could find guys who were great route runners, who were speedy, who were like that small type that Arizona had. Their quarterback liked having a big body who could go up and get it just to be able to bail out in some of those tight circumstances. So it'll be interesting to see where the Cardinals go at quarterback if they'll try to adjust to fit their passer or if they'll adjust to fit the scheme more similar to the way that Bruce Arians managed the team. Let's shift a little bit and talk just about um, some of the other side of the ball. Steve Wilkes has been the new hire for the Cardinals. He's a defensive coach. With how they've drafted two defensive players last year, a lot of people aren't really looking at them taking one this year. It's still a possibility, at least if it's the best player on the board. But who are some of the defenders who kind of popped off the page for you there at uh, Mobile? Oh, man. Uh, I got to start with Kamoko Ture, a pass rusher from Rutgers. This was a guy that really came on as a freshman had two shoulder injuries in consecutive seasons and had surgery on both of those shoulders, uh, which cost him all but just a handful of games in his uh, sophomore and junior seasons. He came back out this year, played as a three-down player, set a career high in tackles, played in all 12 games, was a huge hurdle for him, and then came out and uh, just dominated the the pass rush type stuff. And that that was what he was recruited out of high school was a, a six foot five, two hundred and ten pound pass rusher. When he came in and checked in at the weigh and say at six foot or on Tuesday at six foot five, two hundred and fifty two pounds. And he has sustained every bit of the explosiveness that he has as an athlete. So he stands out to me, I think a linebacker Fred Warner uh, from BYU had a great week. Uh, he was used at BYU as more of a space defender. He used over top of slot receivers, kind of walked up on the edge and uh, being a blitz player and pressure player and a force player, uh, they played him at Mike. They played him in the middle, and he was really effective and confident in reading his keys and reacting to the guards, pulling in front of his face and playing forward in the line of scrimmage and inside run stuff. So uh, it's a good, that's, a, that's a good example for me of a player that was put in a situation that he didn't play at the college level, and he showcased an ability to use skills and, and read his keys and be a smart football player uh, and put at least a little bit of a positive impression out that if you want to take this guy and you want to play him in this role, he's capable of doing it. No, that's a, that's fantastic insight. Uh, let's go a little bit at least uh, in talking just about the special teams. Shaquem Griffin, I know, is one of the biggest stories of the week at least, but uh, outside of him, uh, from what you saw from him, just kind of maybe some of the atmosphere and the buzz surrounding him, where do you think a player like him would go and who were some of those other kind of special team gems or studs? Because the, the Cardinals were one of the worst ranked special teams units in the past three years consistently. Uh, their special teams coach, uh, of course, is with the Browns now, so it's going to be a new new guy coming in. Who are some of these guys who could dominate in transition? Yeah, I think Shaquem Griffin's a, a great place to start with that. I don't think he offers a lot of value as a linebacker. You could tell that the the coaching staff, they put him out there in one-on-ones against running backs, and they had running backs run three consecutive routes breaking to his right, trying to get him to attack the ball with that side of his body. And he, I believe he let up completions on all three sides, but the, the technique he showed was perfect. It's just that is going to be a limiting factor that is going to impact his ability to play effectively on all three downs. So you take him, he's a great hustle player. He's blue collar. He, he flies around. He's a good athlete. Special teams make sense. You know, I, I'm confident in his ability to tackle. You, know, you can see he moves his feet. He's got good burst. Uh, I think kick coverage would be a great place for him. Uh, looking a little bit further down the line uh, in this group, there there's a linebacker from Clemson 
Dorian O'Daniel, who came in and he checked in at 216 pounds, which is a bit of a red flag because you know that's pretty tiny. So now, now is he a safety? Can he convert to safety? Somebody like that kind of stands out to me as well as somebody who might just be a little bit of a tweener that might have to you know, take some rotational rest, maybe be a nickel guy, but then all, then again, he can really cut his hay and and make his way onto a 53-man roster as a special teams kind of guy. You know, Daniel showed great mobility in his hips. He had good range. He's got good burst. Uh, and he was a pretty effective tackler at Clemson as well. So you either, with a player like that, you want to undertake the project of bulking him up and hoping he can sustain that athleticism, or you take him for what he is, understand, hey, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's not going to bang and be a consistent guy on the second level for us, uh, but he can be a, a package guy for us, and we can work him in uh, on the special teams units as well. That sounds great. Definitely, uh, it'll be interesting to watch with the um... – just with moving forward with special teams as uh, that always seems to be one of those places where fans kind of don't like to focus on as much fantasy football can be a huge problem with that, unfortunately, but that really is where a lot of these guys can carve out really long, awesome careers um, just by being dominant in those areas, at least Uh, one last thing kind of wrap up before we go, at least is just talk a little about like just some of the other environment, the atmosphere, some of the buzz, just what kind of the senior ball experience, how you'd have to sum it up and then any kind of parting thoughts you'd have. Yeah, I thought this year's Senior Bowl group did a nice job. There were players that stepped up. Uh, they had, I believe, 30 players drop out for one way, shape, or form this past year. Uh, there was some declined invitations like Bradley Chubb from NC State, and uh, th- there were some injury exemptions that kept people from playing, and that's like Harold Landry from Boston College. Uh, but you saw players rise to the occasion, and I would say this. Um, Phil Savage on his opening presser on Monday told everyone in attendance that he had encouraged both teams to use the first day as an install day and then turn up the heat on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, I thought Thursday practices for both teams when they were doing team-oriented drills was the best atmosphere I've seen in three years down here, where it was lively. The North practice was the first one to go on Thursday, and they set the tone. It was Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen. Both had their best day of practice on Thursday. They were going head-to-head. It was a ton of fun, and it really just carried over throughout the course of the entire day. So I want to tip, the hat to, tip my hat to the Senior Bowl staff here and both of these coaching staffs because they made this for, to be a very fun experience this year uh, in comparison to some of the other years that I've been here. That's great to hear, at least about the yeah. Some props to the Broncos and Texans. It's nice to see some teams that were pretty stable for the most part, organizations, or at least have had plenty of playoff history, getting that opportunity. Uh, just before we go, at least if you have like any type of I don't, there's been plenty of hot takes flying around with Josh Allen or Mayfield. If you want to have any of your own, at least or give out one guy that you're kind of pulling away to watch for as far as or he may be that sleeper first round pick that people aren't talking about him now, but he's going to be there. Who would you go with? Oh man, uh, first round sleeper. I don't know about first round, but this Kamoko Ture kid I talked about, if his medicals are clean, watch out. Because uh, we, we've talked about Marcus Davenport and what his status is as is, is kind of a day two player for me, but he's being talked about as top 10, top 15. If you took a scout and put him in a room and had him watch Kamoko Ture and Marcus Davenport and their practice reps and asked him who the top 20 player was, I would almost guarantee you that scout would turn around and say it was Ture. 
He played that much better than Davenport, and he's got good traits. So the big question for him is what are his shoulders like? Uh, he was a former basketball player. He talked to me at Media Day pretty extensively for, for a couple minutes about uh, the process of reshaping his body and how hard he had to work with the weightlifting and uh, just get out of basketball culture and get into football culture and get it prepared uh, for, for a life of, of constant contact. And uh, he said he feels like he's in a really good place with that. It took him several years to do so. But that's nice context, right, as far as not all players are, are made the same way. Not all their bodies are cut the same way. So Teray, for me, uh, was one of my biggest winners this week. I thought he was tremendous. And I think if he tests well, look out, because, because he was that good this past week at the Senior Bowl. That's great. Yeah. And if he does end up going pretty high, you'll probably never hear the stop talking. Did you know he played basketball? It's just going to be that again and again and again. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining Kyle. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, are you staying at least for the game this weekend? Yep. I got uh, myself, Joe Marino and Jonah Tolls, uh, two of my other guys from NIT scouting. We're all going to be on site tomorrow for the game as well. Yep. That's great. Well, make sure that you give yourself a plug on the way out here. Uh, just so a lot of people know where they can find you, where they can find your work, um, everything that you guys do at NDT. Yeah, so you can swing over to ndtscouting.com, and you know, we, we've put almost 80 pieces of content out throughout the course of this week. That's so awesome. we, we feel like we've absolutely crushed senior bowl coverage. We've taken it from a bunch of different angles. We've gotten good, good manpower and boots on the ground here and really proud of the, the efforts that all my guys have had. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter. I'm at ndtscouting. I tweet way too much. You're probably going to get sick of me. But if you want to shoot me a follow, that'd be great. I'm always happy to talk football with you guys. All right, thanks again for joining us, and thanks for joining us here at Revenge of the Birds with our senior bowl coverage. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding, and 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by Business labor local governments and transportation advocates committee major funding from california alliance for jobs it's time to get serious about california's failing infrastructure more than 1600 bridges are structurally deficient proposition 6 will make things even worse prop 6 eliminates more than 5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding and 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway that's why the california professional firefighters and california association of highway patrolmen all say no on 6 paid for by no on prop 6 stop the attack on bridge and road safety sponsored by business Business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.